0: have a period and they don't have a period. And 99% of women, it doesn't go beyond that, their knowledge, because we've never been taught. And sadly enough, I've gone all the way through my doctoral studies and not once have I ever taken one course on feminine biology to understand the differences between men and women. I was stunned when I finally pulled together what I could from the published research and mapped it all out and i was like oh my god this is the user's manual for feminine biology that we were never given why why were we never given this
1: this is episode 415 of the lifestylist podcast it's called biohacking women's biorhythms for performance and peace with kayla osterhoff you will find complete show notes, links, and written transcripts for this one at lukestory.com Kayla. That's K-A-Y-L-A. Our guest today is a neuroscientist and women's health science expert whose work has been featured on stages and media around the world. Formerly trained across the health sciences with degrees in health ecology, public health, epidemiology, and neuropsychophysiology, Kayla has developed a truly holistic understanding of health and how to achieve resilience of the mind and body. I got to say the knowledge she presents here is vast, and she also presents it in a way that's very down-to-earth and practical, which is what I always seek to achieve when delivering guests to you on the show. This information is indispensable for women, in my opinion. But listen, if you're a man and want to gain a deeper understanding of how to relate to and support the women in your life, this is a must-listen for you, too. I personally gained so much insight from this episode, and it has definitely made me a better husband, employer, friend, and son to the women in my life. Here's a quick sample of some of the topics we cover in this episode. Kayla's family history that inspired her to focus on women's neuropsychophysiology, the staggering underrepresentation of female subjects in clinical research, modern society shortcomings when it comes to women's natural cycles, how women can stop burning themselves out, and the indigenous practice of tribal women coming together to accomplish particular goals at certain times of their synced cycles. Kayla also breaks down the four different phases that women cycle through monthly and how gaining an understanding of these cycles can dramatically improve your life. Strategizing your work schedule to be as effective as possible, Kayla's recommendations for practical cycle tracking, how you can use this knowledge to support any woman in your life, and why this information really is the ultimate life hack for women. If by the end of this episode, you want to learn even more, check out Kayla's free Biorhythm ebook and also her mastermind class. You can find both of those at lukestory.com slash her biorhythm. That's lukestory.com slash her biorhythm. Or of course, just click the link in the show notes for this episode on your podcast player. Okay, now it's time to sit back and find your rhythm with Kayla Osterhoff on the Life Stylist Podcast. Kayla, welcome to the Lifestylist Podcast.
0: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm really stoked to have this conversation. So uh, yesterday, I think it was, or day before, perhaps you and I shared a panel. Yes. And I had heard your name here and there in the sphere of uh, our community and whatnot. Didn't know a lot about your work, but in the context of a panel, it's really hard to get into someone's knowledge base because you have such limited time. Yeah. There's one thing, secretly, I don't really like doing panels because I'm always like, let me talk more. Um But you shared a few things relevant to uh, women's health and women's psychology and neuroscience. And I was like, ooh, we need to have a chat. So thank you for finding the time.
0: Yeah. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So let's just like dive right into the meat of it. Yeah. You know, in the interest of time, I'm going to just leave your backstory for our next conversation. Okay. I'm going to ask you, from your perspective at this point in time, what's the difference between the mind and the brain?
0: Hmm. Well, this is a really interesting topic because in the field of psychology, there's this question about consciousness and where it comes from. And it's like this conundrum that the scientific community has not been able to answer. And the reason why they have not been able to answer it is because their question is wrong. They're asking, how does the brain produce the mind? Brain doesn't produce the mind, nor does the mind produce the brain. They're two completely separate entities that work together. And actually, neither one of them will work separately. So, the brain without the mind doesn't really do anything. The mind without the brain can't manifest. So, they're two completely separate entities. And the mind is more like the software, it's like this invisible component, it's psychological in nature. And the brain is more like the hardware. It's electrical and chemical in nature. And the two marry together to create what is human reality. And because everybody's mind, that psychological aspect is very different, and their brain is very different in the way that it operates, their chemical, electrical, all of those good things that are physical constructs operate in different ways, their version of reality is different. The possibilities are endless. So your version of reality versus my version of reality is completely different because reality is bioindividual.
1: <laughs> that's that's deep. Yeah. I remember once in uh in my first ayahuasca ceremony, you know, yeah for, for me the way those situations often unfold or at least part of them is a sentence will just be dropped on me from somewhere. And of course it's common that they seem more profound in the moment than they are the next day when I oh, look totally. at my notebook, I'm like, that was not that big of a deal, Luke. But one of them that just came to mind was reality is a moving target. Mm. Right. And and I've started doing some integration on that and, and unpacking that in that, you know, because reality is unfolding in perpetuity, in infinite capacity, it really is once you think you're experiencing reality, that is already past reality, right?
0: A hundred percent. You know, that yeah. kind of
1: reminds me of that when you think about the way that, you know, the brain sort of creates your reality and gives a platform or perhaps a transmitter and receiver yes. of mind, capital M. Yes, that's yeah. how
0: I see it. It's more like a beacon to allow the mind to manifest physically in the world, right? Right. Yeah. And it's, you've heard people say, oh, rose colored glasses. That's, it's real. That's that person's version of reality, whether it's rose or blue or black or gray, whatever color.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, I just realized something as you were starting to unpack that. And I was like, ah, oh, we'll just keep your backstory. Maybe not a backstory because I really want to get into, yeah. you know, the nuts and bolts of your expertise, but Perhaps just share with people, you know, what your area of interest study expertise is as we sort of launch off into this.
0: I'm what you call a neuropsychophysiologist, which means that I study the interaction between the brain, the mind, and the physiology, right, through the nervous system. I got into that field of work and I specifically I focus on women. And I'm really interested in women's neuropsychophysiology um, because it's kind of like the Wild West. It's untouched. Nobody has gone there before. There's so much to uncover and there's so many innovations and revelations to be found in that space. But I got into this without going too deep into my backstory, but the women in my family have had a lot of health challenges and mostly mental health challenges. My mom's mom um, died of suicide when my mom was very young. And my mom has dealt with addiction her whole life and mental illness. This manifested in an opioid addiction eventually that ended in, not ended, but it ended up being a overdose that caused her a stroke and permanent brain damage. And that's kind of how I shifted into first public health, which is what I got my master's in. And in that space, I went and worked for CDC for several years. I was a health scientist there for seven years. And my goal in doing that was to figure out why our health system is so broken The women in my family have been mismanaged so much that it's caused loss of life, permanent injury, and mental illness because they were never supported properly. And this really just stems from the fact that women are so misunderstood and misguided because of this gap in the science. Women represent the largest gap in health science research. And it's just crazy. We're half of the population. How is that even Exists in modern society, right?
1: I think about this when I'm um, I'm looking at bottles of supplements. You know, we are just talking about my nootropics uh, stack yeah. over there, this new company I discovered called Newtopia. I'm sure I'll do a podcast about it later for those listening. But when you look at like recommendations on dosage, just as a very superficial example, it's like one to two capsules in the morning and one in the afternoon. And I'm like, yeah, but for whom, right? It's like 250 mm-hmm. pound me Some More football player versus five foot two frail female body, yes. right? <laughs> and and the, the neurochemistry that's inherent to our individual physical bodies, you know? I mean, that's 100%. just- 100%. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, a superficial example of that. but it's like, Wait, didn't anyone think about... Shouldn't it say if you're a woman with this weight or that weight or you're a man... Absolutely. That it, it it would benefit us to have some knowledge of the difference, at least as a starting point.
0: 100%. You just hit the nail on the head. There was a study that just came out of UC Berkeley, like in 2021, I think it was published. And it highlighted this very problem that you're talking about. Because of this health science research gap... Women aren't included in clinical trials, in dosage studies. Women are being over-medicated and experiencing injury way more often than men. Um, And it really highlighted all of these staggering statistics on these negative health outcomes that are caused by women not being included in these studies. And it's just, again, another example of how women are just totally misunderstood and misguided And unfortunately, they're experiencing injury, sometimes death, like the women in my family.
1: Why do you think when it comes to research and development within the medical system that women are left out of that equation? Mm -hmm. I mean, you have the obvious like overarching patriarchal nature of our society in some ways. And there are things about that that I buy into and some things that I don't. But I'm probably biased being a male and have some degree of identification and attachment to my perspective. Yeah. But, you know, you see this emergence in uh, over the past, I don't know, 50 years or so, maybe more women scientists, more women doctors. It it doesn't seem on its face to be so Mm -hmm. male-centric in terms of science and research and medicine. Yet, like, why is it so slow in terms of clinical trials and testing and Mm -hmm. kind of the end result of all of this research and application that then women are kind of left out of the conversation?
0: Yeah. So there's two major reasons. And I totally get it. I am a researcher and these are big problems. They really are big problems when it comes to doing research. The first is that women are risky research subjects, meaning that they could become pregnant at any time, right?
1: Oh, interesting. So
0: there's a big ethical issue there. So that's a biggie. Or
1: maybe that they are pregnant unknowingly.
0: Right. And that's another thing. So there's that. And then the other part of it is that women are so physiologically complex because they are constantly in flux. It's how do you control for that? You can't control for that. It's so hard. So to kind of pull findings out from working on subjects that are physiologically shifting constantly is very hard. And I get it. I understand it but it doesn't make it okay. We can't just leave half of the population out and we see what is happening as a result. You know, this was actually solidified in 1977. The FDA formally banned all women of childbearing potential from all clinical research. It didn't get overturned until 1993. And to this day, the damage has been done. Women are still not included.
1: That's crazy. So that's an interesting perspective. It's not necessarily that the medical system is all controlled by these dominant evil yeah. men. It's just There's a little of that, I, mean, I some think. Of that, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure, but also just out of the convenience and the complexity issue. Yes. Uh, one thing you were speaking about on the panel that I thought was fascinating, and we've we've covered it a couple of times on the show to some degree mm-hmm. when talking about women's hormones and cycles and mm-hmm. such, but perhaps you could break down the differences in... The male body's 24 hour yeah. cycle and the female, I guess, 28 day cycle, yeah, and yeah. how we go through these massive shifts. And as a man, I'm, you know, thanks to having this podcast, I've kind yeah. of learned that, but yeah. I would just assume on its face, you know, we all kind of have our phases, mm-hmm. right? And it's a yeah. 24 hour phase, and you're the same as me, but yeah. you're not. Why?
0: Yeah. So the male physiology follows the direction or set to the pace of our adrenal hormones. So we're looking at cortisol and melatonin, you know, the the sleep-wake cycle. This is what drives your physiology as a man. And so you are consistently pretty much the same physiologically speaking day in and day out with, you know, slow changes over really long periods of time. For women, it's a totally different story we still have our sleep-wake cycle, of course. We still have the cortisol-melatonin curve that happens every single day and all of that good stuff. That's not what drives our physiology. Our physiology is set to the pace of estrogen and progesterone. And those two key hormones cause this neuroendocrine cascade that shifts us constantly because those two hormones are ebbing and flowing throughout the course of the month. And so when you look at this in terms of the, the research that is published, there's a handful of studies out there that have looked at the physiological impact of the menstrual cycle. Not comprehensively, that's what... I- I'm starting to do and get more people interested in this, but they're looking at different things in silos like heart rate variability or the nervous system, cognition, the respiratory system, the cardiovascular system, all of these different things that are impacted by estrogen and progesterone significantly. And so when we look at those, they're typically looking at four different Checkpoints over the course of the 28-day period, because those four different areas have significant uh, shifts or a significant hormonal signature that can be delineated from one to the other. So those are you know the four phases of the menstrual cycle, which is menstruation, follicular, ovulatory and luteal. And most women are aware of that, but they're not aware that there's a global physiological impact. So much so that women are physiologically speaking four different people over the course of the month as they go through these four phases.
1: I can hear men out there chuckling. Damn right. They I are. knew it.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's what real. I mean, what a what a really important piece of the puzzle for for not only women to understand in their own exploration of themselves, but for the males in their lives in whatever capacity, co-workers, spouses, moms aunties right is to understand that i've observed being in relationship with someone with a female body how my wife's for example just as as one piece observing like how random her level of sociability Mm. uh, arrives Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm able to have the energy to go be social if i got a good night's sleep it's 24 hours later yeah i'll go out again tonight because i i slept or i didn't right it's it's really simple and And much more predictable. Yes. Whereas there are times when I find her like, ooh, I really want to be around my girlfriends and like go have some some woman time and, and I don't want to be around, you know, a bunch of people, uh, mm-hmm. be really social. And then there are times when it's, she becomes more reclusive and kind of introverted. And I just observe lovingly and watch these waves. And it's really just interesting to me, but there's no rhyme or reason to it. Because she's, as you said, four different people, right?
0: There is a rhyme or reason,
1: though. There, there is. There's there a rhyme or reason that I yeah. don't understand. So yeah, eliminate yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: that. Yeah. So… I'm just going to go through each of the four phases quickly and give you like a physiological cognitive overview. Cool. And this is going to give you a really good idea about what's going on and maybe demystify the divine feminine, right? Yeah, and,
1: and with that, hold that thought. Yeah. You know, imagine, and maybe you already have imagined, but imagine not only a woman having this knowledge about herself and managing her expectations about what her capacities are to perform in life. Yeah but man if i could have a manual or an app or something that's like hey wife is in this phase this week this is the these are the best ways in in which she can be supported
0: 100% with that
1: knowledge I mean, that's like a superpower for someone who really loves someone and wants to be there for for them in in their full capacity.
0: A hundred percent. And that's why I'm working on exactly that is I really want to support women. I want women to be supported. And a lot of times because we don't understand our bodies, because we're so disconnected, we don't even know what to ask for because we don't even know how to support ourselves. So how could we ask a partner the right ways to support us. So, you know, we can help women by teaching them what's going on in their body and we can help their counterparts, you know, male, female, whatever, gender, doesn't matter, but we can help them to understand what's going on with this person, physiologically, emotionally, cognitively, what do they need and how can I support them? And it is, it's going to shift constantly because women are constantly in flux. We are not consistent. The whole consistency is the key to success. For men? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, totally. Not for yeah, women. That's so yeah. funny because we are kind of so I find myself I'm pretty predictable, yeah. right? I mean again, it's just like sleep is the one variable mm-hmm. that's and and I guess the degree of stress uh, that I'm experiencing totally. in any given moment, but it's pretty much predictable. I know how I'm going to feel next Saturday. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so interesting. So so break down these four cycles yeah.
0: for us. Yeah. I guess. yeah, so we can think of it as like four versions of us as women over the course of a month. So version one is in phase one, which is the menstrual phase. And this is um, typically only the phase that women are even aware that they have they know they have a period and they don't have a period and 99% of women it doesn't go beyond that their knowledge because we've never been taught this is definitely not any education that is provided in you know K through 12 and sadly enough I've gone all the way through my doctoral studies and not once have I ever taken one course on feminine biology to understand the differences between men and women. So it's something that we need to change immediately in my opinion. So phase one is marked again, we're going to go back to those two key hormones that drive everything else. Phase one is marked by the lowest levels of estrogen and progesterone. Now what comes along with that physiologically is that estrogen especially is linked in with our metabolic function. So our metabolic activity actually slows in this phase and our production of ATP also slows down during this phase so we're we're generating less energy we have less energy during this phase when we shift over what's going on neurochemically we see that we have lower levels of our Excitatory and mood neurotransmitters, so serotonin, dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, glutamate, all of these are lower during this phase as well. And it's actually brilliantly designed when we bring in the cognitive aspect. We really start to understand how amazing the female physiology is and just how perfectly designed it is because our body is slowing us down, it's literally giving us less energy. It's also subduing our mood. It's trying to take us from outward focus to inward focus. Because when we look at what's shifting cognitively, we can even measure this using brain scan technology now. We see that a woman has heightened what the scientific community calls cognitive empathy, but is a fancy term for intuition. So a woman has a heightened intuitive insight during phase one. And so you've heard the term, you know, a woman's intuition. Well, the scientific community is just catching up now to actually see that this is a real thing that can be measured with um, cognitive tasks and also with uh, brain imaging technology. And what's going on here with this cognitive shift is that um, only recently we just discovered that the brain the female brain has high densities of receptors for estrogen and progesterone, especially in key areas that are involved in decision-making, emotional intelligence, memory consolidation, um, which are the prefrontal cortex, the hippocampus, and the hypothalamus. And so those areas, along with some others, shift significantly as these two hormones ebb and flow. And so we get these different cognitive Abilities through each of the four phases, which is pretty cool. I call them our cognitive superpowers.
1: This show and my lifestyle in general is all about achieving maximum health on all levels mental, emotional, spiritual, and of course, physical. When it comes to the physical, I do my best to avoid guesswork, which is why I love this company, Inside Tracker. They've created an ultra personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and even fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your wellness goals. Getting all this info about your body adds an exponential level of precision and customization to your inside tracker action plan. And when it comes to biomarker testing, I want to go for the max level of health, not the average. For example, my recent Inside Tracker testing revealed that my inner age is 47, which is cool because I'm currently 51, but I also found that my cortisol and LDL cholesterol was high. Fortunately, my vitamin D was optimized, probably because I get out in the sun so often, as were my magnesium and inflammation markers. So I had a little bit of work to do. And the cool part about getting this info is now I can use their app and web platform to improve based on their personalized diet, supplement, and fitness recommendations. So with Inside Tracker, you can track your progress and adjust based on real-time feedback from your body. Then you retest every three months to see what's working, and maybe more importantly, what's not, or even adjust your goals to develop a new action plan. This is an awesome tool for those of us wanting to make the best use of our time and money when it comes to being healthy. And you, my friends, can get on board right now and get yourself optimized. Just go to slash Luke, where you will save 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. So, again, just use the link slash Luke. I've been into energetic healing technologies for many years, especially those that are supportive for EMF exposure. And there are a lot of so-called quantum products on the market, and I've tried just about any one I've ever heard of, but few of them have had any noticeable effect. However, there is one product line that's passed my test and become part of my arsenal, and it's called Leela Quantum Tech. Leela Quantum has developed a groundbreaking technology to increase your energy level, become more stress-resistant, and also helps to support your whole family, pets, and garden with pure quantum energy. The Leela Quantum products have been certified and studied by various third party institutes and doctors. And these studies have found significant improvements in people's blood, cellular voltage, allergy reduction, and heart rate variability. But my favorite benefit of all is that the Leela Quantum products help neutralize harmful frequencies, including any EMF like 4G, 5G, microwaves, and Wi-Fi. In fact, I have the Leela Quantum block in my kitchen where I charge my food, drinks, and supplements, as well as the infinity block in my living room and here in the studio for a huge energetic upgrade. Leela Quantum Tech is a truly conscious business that wants to do good in the world and even plants a tree for every order. So if you want to hook up your energetic environment and have a tree planted on your behalf, you can go to leelaq.com and use the code LUKE10 to save 10% off your first order. That's L-E-E-L-A-Q.com. And the discount code is LUKE10 for new customers. Evolutionarily speaking. Yeah. What is the relevance of of this phase? Let's just mm, parse yeah. out this phase, right? Like in terms of childbearing or whatever role women were mm-hmm. playing historically mm-hmm. as we've evolved. Yeah, how does that superpower play out from an evolutionary standpoint? Why has yeah. why has creation or nature provided this higher level of intuition and empathy at this time?
0: Yeah. It's a really interesting question that I've actually thought about quite a bit. And I'll kind of give you a little historical perspective on this from what we understand from like ancient um, tribal cultures Mm -hmm. and how they really understood this. Um, But psychologically speaking, you know, passed down through epigenetically, through generations and generations and generations of caretakers, women have this ability to make decisions for the collective. And they're always kind of thinking about that. And so, you know, you can reflect the women that you know in your life. And I certainly know that this about myself is when when I'm making decisions, I'm always in careful consideration of how everything I say, do, how I act is going to impact those around me, especially the people that I love or the people that I serve. And this is just something that is firmly implanted in the female psyche. It's not really something that we even have control over. So I think this really plays into that. We're getting this heightened intuitive insight, maybe because we make decisions for the collective and we're kind of in charge of driving big groups of people. Um, So from an evolutionary standpoint, I think it plays into that. And it makes sense knowing what we know from ancient tribal cultures. Have you ever heard the story of the red tent?
1: I've heard that term, but yeah. uh, please illuminate it for us. Yeah. yeah. So, it definitely rings a bell, but I don't recall it right now.
0: Yeah. So it's been kind of misconstrued in modern society as like this place where women were shunned to go and have their periods, the red tent, right? Ah, okay. um, to get away from the rest of the community so that they can go and have their period, you know, be hormonal or whatever. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> and be by themselves. PMS camp. No, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Um, That's but that is like... So So further from the truth, it's actually that ancient tribal cultures understood this technology, you could call it, of the female brain and how it shifts in this specific phase. And what happened is All the women in the tribe would cycle at the same time because we didn't have endocrine disruptors back then and you just were awake during the day and you were asleep when it was dark. And, you know, so we're naturally cycling. And and typically back then it, it aligned with the moon and I'm not sure the science on that, but there's something there. I'm not sure why that happens. And so all the women in the tribe would typically cycle at the same time. So they would all be in phase one around the same time. And the tribe understood that this was a very um, unique opportunity. And so they would have all of the women of the tribe gather together during this time because they understood that they had heightened intuition, even though they didn't have brain scan technology and cognitive tests back then. But they understood this somehow. And they would gather all the women of the tribe together and they would make the decisions for the next 28-day cycle. Help them to, you know, allocate their resources appropriately. Help them to um, figure out what are the best steps to support the tribe for the next twenty eight days.
1: That's really interesting. Yeah, that yeah. makes perfect sense to me, especially in the in antiquity, the going to a tribal sort of system. Yeah. The females' role would have had a lot to do with the social adhesion right Mm -hmm. of like the the social glue that intuitive sense that there's a break in that relationship or that somebody's misbehaving or that sort of omni awareness that Mm -hmm. women tend to have that open awareness um, of social cues and subtleties that perhaps some males miss yeah so yeah that's that's a really interesting theory you know kind of capitalizing on not only the individual's Ability during that phase to um, have heightened sense of awareness and intuition, but mm-hmm. actually create a collective, right, yep. of, of that consciousness and use that as a guide uh, for the 100%. whole the whole group. That's very cool.
0: Yeah, and women can use this to their advantage. Today, and it doesn't have to be a whole, you know, gathering of all the women who are... Right,
1: right. Kind of (laughs) of impractical.
0: Yeah. So, you know, women in leadership roles or wherever they're leading, in their household, in their community, at work, whatever it may be, they can use this time to be more self-reflective, you know, take their focus from outward, go inward, tap into this heightened cognitive empathy, and they can, you know, assess things. They can make decisions. They can put their plans together. They can allocate their resources more effectively. They can forecast and maybe figure out what's to come. And they, you know, so we can use this in a modern way to our advantage individually. It doesn't have to be a whole collective.
1: Yeah. 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 And also again, for the counterpart in that relationship, Hey, let's go out to dinner tonight. All yeah. the buddy and all our friends. It's like, Oh no, she's in this phase. Yep. Allow her space to just go within and perhaps be, um, a, a bit more introverted.
0: Totally. You know that
1: there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Right? That it's just, oh, it's the natural sort of flow of things.
0: Yeah. And honestly, this has really been a game changer for my relationship with my partner. When I started to learn this about myself and I started to live in alignment with my cycles and partner with my body, I was able to ask for what I needed. And my partner appreciated it so much because he knows, you know, there's going to be a time in the month where I'm going to be super social and outgoing and just like want to have these juicy conversations and connect and even maybe cuddle sometimes. I'm not a huge cuddler, but there are times when I feel more open to that, you know? Um, And then there are times when I just kind of want my space. I want to go inward. I want to focus on me. Um, And... Now that he knows that, he navigates with me and we both get what we need in the relationship.
1: Very cool. Um, Take us into the next phase.
0: Phase two is the follicular phase. And this is marked by estrogen. Estrogen is the star of the show during this phase specifically. So estrogen is actually rising to a peak throughout this entire phase. As that happens, our metabolic function kind of ramps up We get more and more ATP production. We get more and more energy. We also get these nice boosts in our mood-boosting neurochemicals, and we start to feel more open, more social. And when we kind of shift over what's going on in the brain, we see that our cognitive task-based ability shift over to this strategic and navigational focus. Another cool thing that happens is our emotional intelligence heightens as estrogen heightens. So our ability to navigate, strategically think, and lead teams because we get this heightened ability to communicate and connect with others with that emotional intelligence. So we have kind of this leadership space that we move into during this. And so you can start to think about how you can start to navigate through your own life, utilizing the benefits of each of these phases as a woman. It becomes really cool. It's like this extra capacity, this extra Biohack that the other half of the population doesn't have access to. It's our it's our superpower, right?
1: I'm imagining there are probably a number of women listening to this that had no idea that these yeah. these phases even exist. Yeah. I'm sure many do, yeah. uh, probably more so than I perceive being yeah. a male. But I'm I'm imagining like light bulbs going off and some of Absolutely. the listeners, like, oh, that's why I mm-hmm. feel this way when, etc.
0: Yeah, the thing is, as all the women listening, they know this. It may have not been explained to them scientifically, but they know that they go through these phases. And it's really difficult to navigate this in modern society because the expectation is to be consistent. You know, look at our modern society, how it's designed. Day in, day out, things are pretty much the same. Maybe the weekends are a little bit different, but every day, especially in a business setting, we're expected to have the same schedule and operate in exactly the same way. And it's a big problem for women because that's not how we operate. So it's no wonder that women experience burnout 200% more often than men because the, the modern society is not even set up to meet their basic biological needs over the course of a month.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. And I'm thinking about like fitness, right? Like the fitness totally. industry. There are probably so many women who are like, oh, "I want to stay in shape," and they're in phase one when they're when they're producing less ATP, and they're like oh, driving themselves to the gym or to go running or whatever. And it's yep. like their body's going, "No, no, no. This isn't the week for that. This is the week when you rest. Next week you're gonna have more ATP, yep. Then it's the time to get out there and be more proactive." Yeah, that's it's yeah. very interesting in terms of um too the as you were saying kind of the the modern workforce, right? In our education system, even how schools are set yes. up on this this factory worker model. And then we we go through school and sort of get indoctrinated into that. And then at least in terms of, you know, the corporate sector mm-hmm. kind of following that model and these rigid 40-hour weeks, nine to five, and everyone produce, 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 produce. Yes. But that's, that's all created and modeled around the predictability and reliability of the male cycles, which is a 24-hour cycle. Yeah. You go home at five, have a couple beers, kick your feet up, and get some sleep, ready to do it the next day. Yep. But that's not how women's physiology and, and neurology is, yeah. um, has adapted.
0: Yeah. And we're pressured as women to fit into a square hole when we're a circle peg, right? And so the mistake that happens is we typically fight against our physiology and we try to swim up river instead of swim with the current, the way that it's going. And so an example of that, you know, is during phase one menstruation, like you said, we have these lower energy levels, the lower mood, that's just naturally what's happening with us. But there's some benefits happening too that we're missing out on. We're skipping over when we push through, we work out really hard, we drain ourselves, we're spiking our cortisol when just draining the little resources that we have during this time and drinking extra cups of coffee and just push through. I don't know how many women I've heard, including myself, just say, just push through. It's okay. I'll just push through. I'll get through this phase and I'm going to feel better in a couple of days. But you're burning yourself out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Okay, so phase one, phase two. Well, before we wrap Mm -hmm. up phase two, I don't know if you can give Mm. blanket recommendations, but like what can a woman or someone in relationship to a woman expect during phase two? And what are some sort of self-care practices or Mm. perspective that you could have and, Mm -hmm. you know, to manage expectations of what you're best suited to do during that time.
0: Absolutely. I love that you bring up self-care as well because a really important aspect of this you know first half of the cycle is there's more of a parasympathetic quality to the female nervous system during that time and then at the ovulatory phase which we'll talk about next and into the luteal phase there's more of a sympathetic quality to the nervous system meaning that in the front half we have a higher stress capacity as estrogen rises. So it gets higher and higher as estrogen rises to a peak. And so, you know, our stress bucket is bigger so we can handle more stress. We also... End up having higher power, strength, endurance during this phase. So this is important, you know, for our fitness routines. We really want to leverage and take advantage of this time when we have that higher capacity for stress. We have higher power, strength, and endurance. This is a good time to actually do those types of, you know, push through workouts, those hit workouts, or those endurance-based workouts that we want to do. Whereas in other times in the month, it's not going to be as appropriate. So um, in the front half a self-care practice maybe isn't quite as important or critical as in the back half when we have more of a sympathetic quality. So our, our stress bucket gets smaller and smaller and smaller, we can handle less. So we need to manage our stress a little bit better during the back half. So that's just kind of one example, but I would say phase one, you know, you want to lean into that self-reflection. You want to go inward, allow yourself space and time to do that. So maybe, you know, maybe if you can telework and not have to spend too many hours um, commuting, and maybe if you can decrease your amount of meetings and have your executive assistant take a couple extra meetings for you just during that time so that you can have more time for yourself to go inward, to tap into that intuitive insight. And if you have more of like assessment type work, you can do it during that phase. It's a really good time to be doing that, making your decisions, allocating your resources, planning for the next 28-day cycle. Cool. And then phase two, right? You, again, you just want to take advantage of what's going on. You want to push the physiology in the direction that it's already going. So you can do more of your heavy workouts. You can handle more stress. You can work longer days. You can even go with a little bit less sleep because you're, you're not that you want to, but you could handle it. Your body can handle a little more stress during that time.
1: Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And then what about phase three?
0: Phase three is what I call the bloom phase because we are just feeling our best and most outwardly expressive and it's the ovulatory phase. And this is more of a phase shift than a phase in and of itself, meaning that it's very short and it marks a shift in our nervous system function as well. So it goes from that parasympathetic quality to that sympathetic quality. This is the shift where it happens. This is marked by a peak in estrogen, luteinizing hormone, and follicle-stimulating hormone. And so we have all of these juicy hormones rolling around in our body. We have our highest levels of our mood-boosting neurochemicals. We have highest production of ATP. We have our highest stress capacity during this time, and we're outwardly focused. We have this charismatic quality. And that's kind of our cognitive superpower during this this time. Is this the phase
1: in which a woman is most fertile? Yes. Oh, that's interesting, right? Right, yeah. That you would kind of project more attractiveness, generally speaking. 100%. That's really interesting.
0: Yeah. So our body is giving us all of these benefits so that evolutionarily speaking we can go out and procreate right but from a modern perspective we we have more influence during this time we're more magnetic we're more charismatic so this is when we can be pitching this is when we can be pr- doing big presentations this is when we can be doing our strategic partnerships things like that networking we really want to take advantage it's a short window but it's a very potent window that we really want to benefit because we get it every month we really should be using it to our I benefit. I block
1: out the calendar. You know, totally. <laughs> that period and seize the moment, right?
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. That's
1: the real the real superpower phase, it sounds like.
0: I mean, all of them have amazing superpowers. So I always say, and this one's my favorite, and this one's my favorite. They're all my favorites.
1: But In your day-to-day life, I mean, you obviously have a, a great understanding mm-hmm. of, of these um, phases, but like how much cognitive awareness do you have as, as as you live your life or do you have something on a calendar? How do you kind of track and and optimize your life based on this knowledge?
0: Yeah, I do a journal tracking method where I'm tracking where I am, but I'm also tracking some biometrics just to understand what's going on in my physiology. And it's, part of my research as well. So kind of mapping the female bio-rhythm and really gaining a deeper understanding on what's going on with us in all these phases. So I do that for myself. And I have lists of things that remind me like supportive, not supportive, (laughs) supportive, not supportive. And I remind myself and I put reminders in my phone to do the things that are going to be supportive for me. Because women really can have it all and they don't have to sacrifice their health to get it, which is the belief that women usually have is that they can be successful, but they're going to have to sacrifice their health or their family or whatever it may be. But if we can lean into these benefits and take advantage of them and leverage them, we can really operate at our highest capacity all the time without having to sacrifice anything. And I'm not perfect by any means, of course, Um, but I do have a greater understanding and I'm able to perform at a higher level than most people because I'm able to take advantage of what's going on with my physiology and I'm pushing it in the direction it's already going instead of trying to swim up river and use all my resources.
1: So it's sort of an intelligent adaptation to the modern world that has been largely ignorant Mm -hmm. of these phases. Yes. And of those different aspects of the feminine uh, female beingness, right? Yeah. God, what a life hack. This is so awesome. I'm so glad we're sharing this. Yeah. I'm like, man, if I was a woman right now, I'd be stoked. This is really good information.
0: It's the ultimate life hack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what about the fourth phase? What's, what's the magic yeah. in this phase?
0: So the fourth phase is... I am going to say my favorite phase just because I'm a brain nerd. It's the brainy phase. I actually call this the grow phase because our brain is literally growing during this phase. It's the luteal phase and it's actually the longest of all the phases. It's the whole back half of the female cycle. So phase one, two, and three, the first two weeks-ish. Phase four is last two weeks-ish.
1: Oh, interesting. I was framing it as like each one is a week and then you have almost 28 days. Oh, interesting. And they don't
0: fit, I have to give a caveat that they don't fit each into their own perfect little box. So the follicular phase technically is the whole front half, but um, we do have to mark menstruation from follicular because of those hormonal shifts that are so starkly different from the rest of the follicular phase. So that's why I put it in these boxes and this is how the scientists do it as well, but they don't fit perfectly like week one, box one, week two, box two. Um they're all a little bit different. Got so it. and
1: I'm sure there's also a degree of just bio individuality, right? hundred I mean, like, percent.
0: Every woman's you know, biorhythm is very different. Yeah. And so that's why I promote a like journaling tracking method because it's gonna increase your self-awareness. And then over time, like me, I know where I am just by based on how I feel. Based on how my brain is working, based on if I feel social or not social, based on my energy levels, my mood, my focus, I know where I am now because I've been journal tracking for so long.
1: How long have you been having this level of self-awareness and tracking?
0: Yeah, about four years oh, wow. is when I started. That's and a pretty
1: good d- data set. Yeah, it know? is. Yeah. Like four years of doing something fairly yeah. consistently it will give you a lot of um, information about yourself.
0: Yeah, four years for myself mm-hmm. and then about two years working with other women in this capacity and it's just amazing to see how they shift.
1: This podcast would not be possible without our friends over at Just Thrive Health. And they've been with the show for quite a while now and one of the sponsors that I feel most grateful and proud to support and present to you. In so doing, I rarely like to clown on competitive products. It's not really my style to say, oh, this brand is the best and the rest of them suck. But I must be honest, uh, as someone who's tried to fix my gut in numerous ways, especially with a lot of very expensive probiotics over the years, I have to say that most probiotics I've ever tried were a complete waste of time, energy, and money, with the exception of the Just Thrive probiotic. What makes Just Thrive probiotics so special is that they're spore-based, and this allows them to survive the treacherous journey into your GI tract where they can make themselves at home and do what they're supposed to do. And for this reason, it's a really unique and incredible product. It's also something kids at just about any age can take. Parents can sprinkle it into the food or drinks of little ones. It can also be baked or fried up to 455 degrees and still retain 100% potency. Isn't that crazy? It's also ideal for pregnant moms-to-be to support a healthy microbiome for themselves and their babies. You know, newborns get their first big dose of microbes at birth, while traveling through the birth canal. It also contains a very special strain of bacteria that can maintain its effectiveness when taken with antibiotics. Now talk about crazy awesome. You know, that's one of the issues when you're taking antibiotics, if you're in a position to have to do so, is that they're going to ultimately... Uh, cause some dysbiosis to say the least. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it politely there. So I'm one, again, who wasted so much money trying to take probiotics during a cycle of antibiotics, which is probably futile. However, it's not with Just Thrive spore-based probiotics. So if you want to check this out, I highly recommend that you do. So if you want to get your hands on some of these Just Thrive probiotics, here's what you do. Go to justthrivehealth.com slash Luke. That's justthrivehealth.com slash Luke. And of course, we've got a discount for you. It's 15%. And the code there is Luke15 at justthrivehealth.com. Have you ever wondered why some people get really sick while others only have mild cases? Well, researchers say the answer can be found in your gut health. A study published this year suggests that people with leaky gut and other gut symptoms may be at higher risk of severe illness. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, more than 70% of your immunity is created in your gut. Why does this matter, you might ask? Well, even if you're doing everything right, you will still be exposed to viruses and bacteria. It's simply unavoidable. It's just kind of how the world works. Now, personally, I've had a lot of leaky gut issues over the years and have made some huge improvements lately. I recently found an insanely cool product called Biome Breakthrough. It's the only formula that can repair compromised gut lining. So it helps to rebuild with the right probiotics and prebiotics and activate the four critical pathways to superimmunity. It's really great stuff. Biome Breakthrough is the only formula that can repair compromised gut lining. So it helps to rebuild with the right probiotics and prebiotics and activate the four critical pathways to superimmunity. It eliminates bad bacteria, feeds the good bacteria, and gives your immunity the strength it needs to fight off viruses. It's really cool stuff. It also comes in two flavors, chocolate carnivore and vegetarian vanilla. How I use it is I just throw this stuff in whatever morning drink I make, hot or cold, and it tastes delicious or not noticeable in some cases, and also mixes easily with pretty much everything. So power up your immunity today and try Biome Breakthrough risk-free by visiting biomebreakthrough.com slash Luke. Of course, I got a code for you. It's Luke10. That gets you 10% off any order. Again, that code is Luke10 and the website is biomebreakthrough.com slash Luke. And listen, if it doesn't work for you, these guys will give you your money back within 365 days of purchase. Totally risk-free. Awesome works. Check it out. Do you do some kind of training or coaching, Mm -hmm. mentoring in this capacity? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, I have an education program for women that really dives deep into the physiology and the science of each of the four phases, the menstrual cycle, and just these different ways of navigating your life in partnership with your body and your understanding your feminine biology. And I've been doing that for a couple of years now. And it's just amazing to see the light bulbs go off and to see the women like... They knew this about themselves, but they just never had permission to actually live their lives that way because nobody recognized them. Nobody allowed them to say, yeah, you know what? You are different over the course of the month and it's okay if you operate differently. It's okay if you have different routines, schedules, and needs over the course of the month.
1: Wow. Cool. Um, I forgot to mention to the audience, you can find show notes for this episode (laughs) at lukestory.com slash Kayla. K-A-Y-L-A, LukeStory.com slash Kayla. So we're going to put links to any programs Perfect. and informations and all the things you have there and, and also just any references that are relevant that people want to go research afterward.
0: That definitely. Um, okay. So phase four. Yes, four. So we're in the brainy phase. And I call this the brainy phase because the star of the show shifts. It used to be estrogen, right? And now the star of the show is becoming progesterone. So estrogen is kind of coming down the other side of the curve here. It has a little bump in the middle, but progesterone rises to a peak in this phase. And so progesterone is the star of the show finally. And progesterone does some really interesting things to our brain. One of which is it increases BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor which increases our neuroplasticity and our neurogenesis. So literally our brain is growing during this phase, but it also increases our GABA neurotransmitter, which is involved in memory consolidation and getting quality sleep. So our capacity to learn, grow, and adapt in this phase is heightened. And we actually have higher verbal acuity during this time and a heightened ability to learn.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So this is the uh, phase in which one could drive the most benefit from microdosing.
0: Totally. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yes. Drive <laughs> the physiology of... in the way it's already going.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That's yes. really interesting. And also, I guess, if, if one wanted to... Do some speed studying, yep. right? Continuing
0: like, education credits, if you're in school. Like I wish I learned this back in undergrad. I probably would have been done with my doctoral degree a few years ago by now. Wow. That's so interesting. If I could have leveraged it. Now yeah. I do. I spend the majority of my researching time in this phase and really taking advantage of it. And it it is a a huge advantage when you can kind of get the hang of it and you start to, you start to. Again, just partner up with your body. Unfortunately, this is also the phase that most women dread, the PMS phase, right? Uh,
1: okay. Oh, that's so funny because I'm like, this sounds like yeah. an awesome phase. And
0: it is. It's one
1: of the least popular.
0: But it's when you know how to navigate it. Because remember, you're getting more of a sympathetic quality to the nervous system as progesterone rises to a peak. It's not in correlation with progesterone. This is just how the nervous system shifts during this phase. And what's going on is we get increased resting heart rate. We have increased respiration rate. So the body is kind of like ramping up during this phase. And so even our caloric need increases throughout this phase. There's different ways of Eating in every phase as well to really support both hormonal production, but also our our bioenergetic needs that shift throughout the course of the month.
1: Oh, that's interesting um, in terms of dietary requirements and cravings. I often mm-hmm. observe uh, my wife Allison. It's just her her um, like the foods she desires is so random. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't eat a lot of meat, for example, yeah. and then one day she'll be like, "I need a steak now," and I'm like. Why? Yeah. <laughs> what prompted that today? Because yeah. I feel like I need a steak every day. You know, it's it's funny to just observe that. I go, I yeah. wonder why she's eating that today. It's so random or I know, get the
0: sense that she's very intuitive.
1: Very much so, yeah. Yeah.
0: And she allows herself to follow that. So, you know, totally. we know that a woman's intuition is a real thing. So I wish that instead of listening to all these influencers, keto, carnivore, low carb, blah, 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 whatever it is, those things are good during some of the times over the course of the month, but listen to your body. I don't know how many women I've come across that are like, I'm doing super low carb and I feel really crappy. I'm like, and you're still doing it? Yeah, because so-and-so said it's gonna do X, Y, Z. I'm like, you should listen to, you're right. When you know that this isn't working for you, you're right, listen to that. You know, once you learn your physiology, you can actually do this in a very constructive way. But before that, you have your intuition, you can lean on that.
1: Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, it makes me think of of how many females are probably misguided in terms of not only like the fitness that we talked about in the biohacking space, right? Of all of these fad diets Mm -hmm. and supplementation routines and things like that that are sort of just blanket recommended to large swaths of humans without any sort of consideration of what your gender (laughs) happens to be.
0: I know. That's crazy. And it becomes very harmful. The the harmful assumption that is made by the scientific community, by the medical community, by the biohacking community is that the biological parts that men and women share operate the same way. And we know that that is further from the truth. They don't.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting. So... I don't, do you have any recommendations in terms of, I mean, I'm not a fad diet guy. I think I've tried Mm -hmm. all the fad diets and I've just arrived at a place. I'm just going to eat what feels good to my body and not worry too much about it. But in in the realm of like biohacking and things like that, I don't know how Mm -hmm. deep you are into this stuff, but Mm -hmm. you know, whether it be PEMF or saunas or ice baths or red light therapy or supplementation, do you have any kind of recommendations of what, when might work? So helpful. many.
0: Yeah, so many. Um, I could give a couple examples, but I think women really, really, really need to guide their health decisions, including their biohacking decisions, by their cycles and what's going on with them so that they can make better educated decisions about what they're doing. Especially, I always say that women's biohacking is more important than men's biohacking. And the reason why is because we can't rely on these Recommendations that come out from the scientific community because it's not done on female bodies. So we have to rely on an N equals one approach to our health. And so that's why doing this kind of self experimentation becomes more important for us as women. And it should be driven by data, you know, personal collection of your own data and understanding what works for you, what doesn't work for you. It should also be guided by your intuition. You know what works for you, what doesn't. But you know, it's it's important to understand the physiology side of it so you really understand what you're supposed to do. So just for instance, in the front half of the cycle, where we have a higher fat metabolism or a more productive fat metabolism. And so eating more fats or more of like a ketogenic type diet is more appropriate during that time, especially because our caloric need in phase one is a lot lower. Because remember, our metabolic function is subdued. So our caloric need is lower. So if we're going to be doing a fasting routine, for instance, safe in phase one and effective, and it's going to work with your body. In phase four, absolutely not. Oh wow! Absolutely not.
1: I'll think of how many women are like wrecking themselves trying to follow these hundred percent these yeah. trends and and guidelines without this knowledge. This is super yeah, key.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, that's why so many women are experiencing burnout because you know burnout starts with adrenal burnout, but it ends up being hormonal burnout because the the three kind of pillars of feminine health, the three legs of the stool, are sugar, stress, and sex. So we have the sex hormones that we need to be able to balance. Then we have insulin sensitivity or insulin regulation, and we have cortisol regulation. They all three interrelate and rely on the other to be in healthy standing. So we have to understand how to handle our stress, how to handle our blood sugar, but we also need to understand how that shifts over the course of a month. So in the front half of our cycle, we actually have higher insulin sensitivity. And in the back half of our cycle, we have a lower stress capacity. So we have we have heightened sensitivity to cortisol, right? So we have a, a higher chance of dysregulating our cortisol, our stress systems.
1: Right, because you're already in that sympathetic dominant state yes. at that point.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. God, it's so fascinating. What a yeah. what a beautifully intricate system it is. And as you as you speak about this, I'm always asking like, why? Why did creation or God make it this way? But if you think about the miracle of the female body producing offspring and and what just inconceivable levels of complexity biologically are required for that to happen. You would have to have a very complex system.
0: Yes. Right? Yeah.
1: Versus thinking about the male body. It's like, what do we need to do? Just produce some sperm that can swim. You're done. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like that's the end of your body's role in that. I mean, I guess there's genetics and whatever might contribute to that. It's amazing to think about the female body's capacity when it comes to reproduction and just all that goes into that. And so it's just like, well, of course it's got to be this intricate. Yeah. You know. And
0: that's the thing. It's intricate, but it's very intentional. All these shifts when you really get the big picture, which is the thing that I am bringing to the world is I'm pulling it all together. We we so often study health and look at things through a silo and we get kind of stuck on one thing and we think it's, you know, this is in and of itself the one thing, but we forget about this greater Physiological impact, this global impact that it has. So, we really have to look at the whole organism and what's going on. And we see that all of these things are happening for our benefit. And it's really beautiful when you map it out and you get the big picture. I was stunned when I finally pulled together, you know, what I could from the published research and mapped it all out. And I was like, oh my God, this is the user's manual for feminine biology that we were never given. Why? Why were we never given this? Why don't we understand this? Women need this. We should be given this when we are young women starting our cycles.
1: Well, hot damn. Let's hope the parents of those young women-to-be are sharing this conversation. Yeah. You know? And I mean, like... I'm sure someone in the world, by the time they hear this, is going to be sitting in the car with their 13-year-old daughter and going, listen, you know?
0: Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. one can hope. Well, thank yeah. you so much for sharing your, your research yeah. and you know everything that you've shared with us today. In closing, I want to ask you one final question. Who have been three teachers or teachings mm-hmm. that have influenced your life and your work that you'd like to share with us? Well,
0: I just finished reading the book, Autobiography of a Yogi. And I love the teachings of Yogananda. So that just comes to mind because it's recent and is has been very impactful to me. I really, really appreciate Bruce Lipton's work. And he's bringing a scientific lens to the power of the mind. Um, and he's kind of like, the OG of that in this respect, right? Um, yeah. So I really I really appreciate his work. And for me personally, a very profound teacher has been um, psilocybin.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting.
0: And that has really helped me with my own mental health and really opened and shifted my perspective and opened my mind to a lot of ways that I was rigid before and helped me to... Uh, you know, increase that neuroplasticity, put that fresh powder on the mountain so that I could make different choices and see things from a different perspective. And that's just been a huge teacher in my life. Yeah. <laughs> fresh powder on the mountain. Yeah. I
1: love that. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. The cleaning of the slate that some of those experiences can bring and, and that fresh perspective. I really yeah. love the idea of Taking someone who's highly intelligent, as you obviously are, who's analytical, science-based, that kind of thinker, you know, that I I don't think that I really fall into that category, although I appreciate it and celebrate it in others, but like throwing psychedelics on that kind of mind, you know, I think that's where many miracles have come from and probably will continue to, um, uh, you know, spring forth from. It's, it's really incredible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I always say that the, you know, that type A like work hard mentality, it worked for a certain time. It got me to a certain level, but once I wanted to get past that level, I had, I couldn't work that way anymore. I had to work smart And really, that's what I'm teaching women, right, is to stop working hard, work smart, work in partnership with your body. And that's really what it's been about for me. That's what has opened all the doors to the possibilities of life that is just so fruitful and beautiful that now I am experiencing.
1: That's awesome. Well, I knew there was a reason when I met you that I wanted to have a conversation with you. And now I see that my intuition tapping into that side of myself was on point. So thank you, Luke's Intuition. Thank you for your your brilliance and bright, shining light today. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me.
0: Yeah, thank you for this conversation and allowing us to reach so many women in the world that I I hope can take this information and run with it.
1: Awesome, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining me on the Odyssey of Human Expansion that is the Lifestylist podcast. If you know a couple women or curious and awakened men who would benefit from the knowledge Kayla shared here, please pass this episode along to them. And don't forget, if you want to learn even more, check out Kayla's free biorhythm ebook and also her mastermind class, which can be found at lukestory.com slash her biorhythm. That's lukestory.com slash her biorhythm. Very cool stuff over there. Now, next week's episode is one I've been incredibly eager to share with you. It's episode 416. It's called Natural Law, Hope for Humanity, and Finding Light in the Darkness, featuring second and most popular guest in the history of the show, Dr. Zach Bush. If you want to make sense of the past two and a half years of insanity and find a smooth pass forward, you definitely don't want to miss this one. And lastly, huge props and big love for our sponsors, Inside Tracker, Lila Quantum Tech, Just Thrive and biome breakthrough. You should also know that you can find all of them on my carefully curated online store where I link to all of my favorite and personally vetted health and wellness brands, along with exclusive discounts on just about everything in the store. You can find that at lukestory.com slash store. That's lukestory.com slash store. All right, that's it. I'll be back in your ears next Tuesday with Dr. Zach Bush.